welcome to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now, podcasting from the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center in Chicagoland, here are your hosts, Ed Stetzer and Daniel Yang. Welcome to the Sets of Church Leaders podcast, where we're helping Christian leaders navigate and lead through the cultural issues of our day. My name's Daniel Yang, the director of the Church Multiplication Institute, and we're excited to have with us today Vance Pittman. Yes. Vance is the president of the SEND Network, and prior to that, he founded and pastored Hope Church in Las Vegas, Nevada. He speaks across the U.S. and around the world to inspire people to join God's eternal redemptive mission of making disciples and multiplying churches among every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Vance's latest book is The Stressless Life, Experiencing the Unshakable Presence of God's Indescribable Peace. But before we hear from Vance, let's go to Ed Setzer, Editor-in-Chief of Outreach Magazine and Executive Director of the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center. Vance has got a little uphill conversation today, doesn't he? The Stressless Life. I'm really intrigued uh, where this is going to go. Found the book helpful, challenging. The title gave me some stress because I have stress, and but I'm not supposed to have stress, so I'm stressed about not having stress or having <laughs> stress. I'm not even sure. Uh, but uh, we've known Vance for a while, years, and so thankful for him, his ministry, uh, and his work. If you find today's episode helpful, well, I hope you find them all helpful, but if you find this helpful, leave a review wherever you download your podcast. If you don't find it helpful, tweet Vance Pittman, but that's another story for another day. Okay, so um, I just left the meeting before we record this podcast with uh, pastors who said to me, we're in this little small group of pastors, their friends, said, this is the most difficult time they've ever led. It's the most stressful time they've ever led the last few years. Nothing like it. And yet here you come in with this book, The Stressless Life. Seems a big promise. Tell us the premise and then point us to the where you're headed in the whole theme of the book. Yeah, Ed, thanks a bunch. And Daniel, thank you guys for having me on. Always love hanging out with you guys. Um, but Yeah, I had no idea really when I started down this journey of writing the book that it would be coming out in a time um, that that like what we're living in right now. If you know the world of publishing, it's kind of a slow wheel. And I started this process even before uh, the COVID thing broke out. Um, But it really started for me, Ed, it's born out of my own really two things, primarily my personal journey. Uh, like a lot of your listeners, I've been in ministry now for 31 years. Um, I, I moved to Las Vegas in December of 2000 to plant a church. Uh, Las Vegas is not your typical city to plant churches in. Church planting is hard work for anybody. But when you get in some of these pioneer cities, some of the cities that aren't as churched, uh, it's even more challenging. And so I jumped into a church plant <coughs> in December 2000 in Las Vegas, Nevada. And for 13 years, man, just ran hard. Uh, I'd kind of grown up in the Bible Belt. I'd seen some people involved in pastoral ministry that that just didn't seem to have the work ethic that I thought we should be demonstrating. And so I just had this chip on my shoulder. I was going to go to Las Vegas. I was going to plant a church and I was going to outwork everybody. And for the first 13 years, that's what I did, man. I just put my nose to the ground and I just ran hard and God bless. We had unbelievable uh, favor of the Lord. But in year 13, I, I went home one evening um, and sat down with my family to have dinner. And I just couldn't really process the conversation. I was struggling to even understand what they were saying, uh, putting sentences together. And I just thought it's the end of another one of those 60, 70 hour work weeks. I'm going to go to bed, sleep it off, get up tomorrow and hit it again. So I went upstairs to bed. And when I did, uh, I didn't wake up for eight straight days. Uh, my body literally shut down, uh, after, about 22 years of ministry, 13 years in Vegas, my body said enough's enough. Um, and for eight days, I just slept. I didn't eat, lost 14 pounds. My wife brought food to the room. I wouldn't eat it. Uh, she'd wake me up. I'd go right back to sleep. 
ultimately got me up, got me to a doctor eight days later. My doctor basically said I had a physical version of a nervous breakdown. My body wow. finally in the weight of stress and the pressure of ministry and leadership and everybody from the outside looking in saw hope as this major kingdom success story in Las Vegas. Um, but with every mountaintop, there's a valley and we walked through a bunch of those and from economic collapses to moral failures to losing locations to a literal flood of a building in the desert. We had everything you could imagine. And my body just finally shut down underneath the weight of the stress. And so the book is really my own personal kind of testimony, my own confession of how I got there um, and not managing the stress and the pressures of ministry well at all. And the real premise of the book is that the good news is that, that we don't have to allow the stressors of life to dominate our lives. Yes, we all are going to experience apprehension and anxiety. We can't escape from stressors, but we can respond to those situations in a way that allows us to enjoy life and not just endure it. We can live in a way that's not defined by the anxiety and apprehension, but is, as Daniel quoted the book, it's, it's defined by that unshakable presence of God's indescribable peace. And Vance, uh, thanks for sharing that uh, story. I mean, I, I think a lot of our listeners right now are kind of thinking they're trying to measure their story with your story. And they're like, I don't want to get where Vance got to. Yeah. Can, can you help them think through like, um, you know, because most people think, you know, they just accept that stress is a part of life. But what is a normal level of acceptable stress, especially if you're a pastor? Yeah, well, for starters, Dan, I think it's important that we understand what we're talking about when I'm talking about stress in the book. And as we have this conversation, there. There is a clinical medical anxiety disorder, and that's not what I'm addressing. Um, if somebody's got a clinical medical issue, you can't pray your way out of that. You need medicine. You need doctoral help. You need professional help to be able to deal with that. What I'm talking about is the normal everyday amount of stress in life that all of us have to deal with. It's navigating those challenges. It's the Bible word in, in, that we read in, in both Matthew and in the, the book of Philippians, where Jesus and Paul use this word that's translated into English, either anxiety or worry or stress, depending on your translation. It's that Greek word that means to care, to worry, to be troubled, to take thought. And what, what the Bible's not saying is that we're not to care about the situations and circumstances in our life. It's not this akuna matata you know, don't worry, be happy kind of mindset. Um, but what he is teaching us is that the cares and concerns of life are not to paralyze us. They're not to leave us worried or afraid. And so in the book, I define stress like this. Stress is fearful concern that's experienced when life's demands seem greater than my ability to meet them. Mm -hmm. And let me contrast that real quick between fearful concern and genuine concern, because somebody might say, well, am I not supposed to care at all? No, there is genuine concern. And genuine concern is when I have a burden. And a burden drives me to dependence on the Lord when I ask the question, Lord, what are you going to do with this situation? Fearful concern is stress, and it expresses itself in dependence on me. I don't look to the Lord. I look to me. And too often, as followers of Jesus and as leaders in ministry, we look to ourselves to solve the problems, the challenges, the difficulties, the circumstances, rather than what, doing what we teach, walking in dependence on the Lord. And in every moment, turning that situation to the Lord. Yeah, I think that was a clear theme that I liked. Again, the, the book we're talking about is The Stressless Life, Experiencing the unsha Unshakable Presence of God's Indescribable Peace. And you're not really describing a, a I mean, stressless is not the same thing as stress-free. Um, you repeatedly emphasize God's peace, give a lot of, I thought, really practical and helpful advice. So why is um, God's peace essential to this 
life without stress, the way you're defining stress here, I think is helpful. Why is that so essential? And to what extent do our own decisions impact or control our stress levels? Yeah, Ed, and, and I want to pick up on something you just said Please. before I completely answer that and go back to something Daniel totally. asked you. you we, we've just identified a key point in this conversation, and that is the difference between stress and stressors. Yeah. What I'm not teaching is how to remove every stressor from your life. That's, That's impossible. We're going to have situations and circumstances that are stressors, whether those are relationships, those are schedule demands, those are financial, those are spiritual warfare stressors cannot, we can't remove all of them. Now, some of them we can remove because some of them are self-inflicted. Some of the stressors I have financially are because I didn't manage finance as well. Some of the stressors I have relationally are because I'm not putting boundaries effectively in relationships, but we can't remove all stressors. What we can do is change the way we respond to those stressors. The Bible never promises us a, a problem-free, a challenge-free life. What it promises us is as believers, what distinguishes us is not the absence of difficulty. It's the presence of God's peace in the midst of that difficulty. Uh, one of the, one of the uh, challenges, Ed, for me, the last 24 months, you mentioned it. People are talking about pastors, leaders, talking about the challenges of leadership in the last 24 months. One of the great things that broke my heart is that we walked through the same stuff from politics to pandemics to cultural issues that the world did. And the problem is the world should have been able to look at us and see a different type response. And yet when you look at most believers' social media feed, we panicked and stressed out just like the rest of the world did, rather than in the midst of that knowing that God's in control. So I think we have to understand the difference between stress and stressors. And I also think we have to understand that we've accepted this normalcy of stress. Mm -hmm. uh, we've bought into the lie that the normal life is just being stressed out to some degree. The problem with that is it's less than the life Jesus offered us. Twice in Matthew 6, Jesus says, do not be anxious about your life. And then in Philippians 4, Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. And it's far less, less than the life Jesus modeled. Jesus modeled for us a life. You don't ever see Jesus stressed out in the Gospels. And he faced some challenging circumstances and yet never stressed out, which means this issue of stress versus peace is really a Christ likeness issue in our lives. When I'm living out of stress and anxiety, I've chosen to live out of the resources of my flesh rather than the resources of Christ in me. And Ed, that's where it does boil down to our own choices and decisions. Stress and peace are basically two sides of the same coin. There's going to be a situation and a circumstance today, tomorrow, this week, in all of our lives that would be considered a stressor. It's beyond our control, and it's going to come into our lives. How we choose to respond to that determines whether or not it's going to be a response of stress. Am I going to look internally, try to fix this myself, or am I going to depend on the resources that I've been given in Christ and rest in his peace? Okay. So you mentioned Jesus. Um, we see, and we, you stress-free life. We do know, I mean, he had great times of anguish. I mean, he sweat blood in the garden. Totally. Um, genuine we, concern. He was turning to concern. the bottom. Okay. So that's the distinction you're making. So stress is almost stepping out of this confidence and trust in the Lord and turning things over to him, the way you're describing and defining it. Because we see, I mean, we see Paul talk about his anguish at times. We talk, we see, we see biblical figures yes. um, wrestle through really difficult times. Yes. So, and if that's comparable to where we are today, we're not biblical figures, but we're Christians who want to follow Jesus, yes. wrestling through really difficult times. How do we get on the right side, on the on the spirit-filled side 
of that when right now yeah. we're just feeling so much coming at us? You're right. Uh, we do see in Paul and in Christ both this expression of genuine concern that you mentioned yeah. it, where he sweat drops of blood. But what he's what Jesus is doing there is he's pouring that out to the Father mm-hmm. and laying it at his feet. That's what a burden does. You lay it at the feet of the Father. The problem is we lay it down and pick it back up. Sure. Paul is another example. You mentioned where he had anguish. He did. But Paul said, I've learned in every circumstance That's good. how to be content. And he said, I've, I've learned the secret. And the secret, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So both Christ in his humanity, living in dependence on the Father, and Paul as a human being, living in dependence on Jesus, they modeled for us this idea of living in, in, in constant fellowship with the Father, mm-hmm. where you and I as individuals learn how to be constantly aware of his presence. And what's unfortunate, what we've done for a lot of us as Christians, we've turned God and our relationship to God into an app. Mm-hmm. I'm a sports guy, Ed, you know that. You and I were uh, back and forth the other day about a ball. Texting about sports ball. I don't know anything about sports ball, but Vance <laughs> and was And I was trying to inform in. you of this cultural moment me. that was happening. It is. It was so helpful. Um, but because I'm a sports guy, I got some sports apps on my phone and I go to them often. When I need to know a score, when I need to know a stat, when I need to know a player's name, I go to that app, I open it up, I get the information I need, then I close the app, I put it away. That's the way we are with God. We, we, we've made God an app that we open up on, in the morning when we have our God time, we go to church, we go to small group, we open up this app, but then we close it and put it away. But what we have is not an app. We have a father, we have a relationship, and he's invited us 24-7. Even while I'm talking to you, I can be having a conversation with him and living in dependence on him. And it's when we do that, that we begin to enjoy that peace. So we have to get back to the place of practicing that Brother Lawrence taught us this principle of practicing the presence of God. I didn't and if we'll Lawrence practice the presence of God, you cannot be in the presence of God and not enjoy his peace. Mm-hmm. His peace is a byproduct of enjoying his presence. Mm-hmm. Vance, let me ask you a question. I mean, there's so many different directions that I, I really want to go with this, but I think you started out with your own story, and I think that was helpful to illustrate that, you know, for, for pastors in particular, um, sometimes we can give off the vibe that we are acting out of genuine concern, but internally we're completely reacting based off of fearful fearful concern. And how, how do you help a pastor, you know, uh, discern that in their own life? Like at what point when you were going through uh, stress, could you have pinpointed and said, you know, I think I'm actually tending towards feel, fearful concern rather than genuine concern. Is there something, were there some triggers, were there some key points in your life where you really, like w- you were able to discern that for the first time? I think there's a couple of things I would say to that. One is the issue of trust. When it comes to those situations that you're trying to navigate, Ultimately, who are you trusting? Now, out of my mouth, I would have said I'm trusting in the Lord because that's the right thing to say. But yet the way I was living my life communicated that I was trusting in Vance to figure this out, that I had to solve this problem. I had to reconcile this situation. I had to provide this resource. Here's a practical example. When I first moved to Las Vegas, uh, we had 13 families that over the course of the first year, joined in the vision. They sold their home, quit their job, relocated to Las Vegas as missionaries. When those 13 families moved with us to plant a church, I had no idea the pressure that I would feel to make sure they got settled. Mm -hmm. 
getting a home, getting a job, getting their kids in school. I carried the weight of that. Like when they got a job, I felt like I got a job. When they got a house, I felt like I got a house. But in reality, those people didn't move here because they accepted the call of vans. They moved here because they accepted the call of God. It wasn't my responsibility to provide for them. The scripture says, faithful is he who calls you and he will also bring it to pass. He's not just faithful in the calling and then leaves it up to us to figure it out. He's faithful in the bringing to pass. So it's asking myself in those moments that question, who am I really trusting? Am I trusting the Lord with all my heart? You know what the other part of that verse says? And lean not on your own understanding. The problem for me is I was trusting the Lord with most of my heart and then leaning on me for understanding. And that's what wound up resulting in so much stress in my life. So it's about asking that question. And then secondly, it's about living our lives in community. A lot of us as ministry leaders, pastors, uh, leaders in churches, we tend to live in isolation from other people. We teach this principle of community, but we don't practice this principle of community. We do not allow people to see behind the curtain. We don't live transparently in front of others. And for me, I had to be willing to allow others. A part of the shift that happened in my life to keep me from going back to where I was is I entrusted uh, three people into my life in a way that I never had before. Like I no longer could say yes and no without getting some accountability and counsel in my life. And so I think answering that question, who am I really trusting and being honest with myself and doing that in community where I'm being honest with some other people that I've allowed inside the, my, my, the circle of, of, of my decision-making are a couple of the keys that I'd say are real important. Good. We're talking to Vance Pittman. We're talking to him about his book, The Stressless, the Stressless Life. Hard to say that three times fast. The Stressless Life, (laughs) Experiencing the Unshakable Presence of God's Indescribable Peace. And so there's a clear connection over and over again with God's peace throughout the book and a key area for our life. And I will tell you, you know, I've experienced peace with God through Christ. You know, I've been forgiven of my sin. I can walk in assurance of my salvation. I can have peace with God in my marriage. I can have peace with God maybe in where we work, Daniel and I work together, our team here. And then there might be this one area or this two areas where these are the areas where the disruptors come. And that's the area where I struggle having peace. My guess is pastors, church leaders experience that as well. So how do we access God's peace into those more difficult and different areas of our life? Yeah. um, And I think a phrase you just used is real important for me to highlight. And you talked about peace with God. And there's a distinction between peace with God and, and, and my mind and the peace of God. Sure. We have peace with God that has been purchased through the shed blood of Christ because of the atoning work of Christ on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. We now have peace with God. Nothing can change that. Like nothing I'm going to do today will upset my peace with God. But that's different than enjoying practically the peace of God. And what we've now been given is not only the the peace with God and justification, but through our sanctification, we can begin to enjoy practically moment by moment, the peace of God, understanding that he really is in control, that everything in my life has been filtered through his love for me, which means no matter the difficulty of what I'm facing right now, I will at some point look back and say, yep, that was God loving me Hmm. because everything's been filtered through his love for me. Um, and, and it's begin, beginning to rest in that. Now, sanctification is progressive. 
So are there some areas where I can enjoy this peace of God and while I'm still growing in some other areas? Absolutely. But it's about being honest about those things. That's part of what Paul writes in, in Philippians 4 when he says to be anxious for nothing, but in everything. That's a key word, everything. Yeah. And here's what we have to know. You just said, I've got it in some areas, but I'm struggling sure. in some other areas. We don't have that option biblically. This is not a suggestion Paul is laying on the table for us to pray about. The Greek scholars watching us and listening today know that it's an imperative, which means it's a command, which means to not pursue the peace of God in everything mm -hmm. is to live in disobedience to God. For me to be living stressed out in any area of my life is to be living outside of the boundary that God has drawn for me, which means it's destructive. If I choose to live there, it brings, and, and we could talk about all the implications in our, not just spiritual life, but our physical life. One of the reasons God said in his word, don't do this is because it's so damaging to us physically. The amount of, of medical expense that's spent in America every year, the amount of people that miss work every day, all stress-related, over 70% of all doctor's visits in the United States can be reduced back to, deduced back to some stress-related ailment. So no wonder God said, don't do this. But for us as, as, as leaders, as pastors, uh, even just as followers of Christ, it's imperative that we begin to follow what Paul said, this prescription of living in constant fellowship with him. But then secondly, being honest with him. He talks about here uh, in the text in, in Philippians 4, he says that we're to, to, to make our requests known to God. It's this idea of transparency and being honest with God about everything in my life. And unfortunately, we all have this, um, this, this innate flesh that wants to cover things up. Even with God, we don't get honest with God and we're not intentional in, in thanking God. That's another key piece to this experience in God's peace is recognizing he's in control, recognizing he's sovereign. And even in the midst of the difficulty saying, God, I thank you. He says here that we're to make our requests known with thanksgiving, meaning even when I don't understand this situation, I can be grateful for it. And as I, by faith, begin to express gratitude to him, there's an exchange that takes place where God gives his peace in the midst of the storm. It's that picture of Jesus with the disciples in the boat. Everybody's losing their mind because the storm's ripping the boat apart. The disciples literally ask Jesus the question, Lord, do you not care? Like, you know, you're out of balance when you ask Jesus if he cares. And they say, do you not care? And Jesus, what's he doing? He's asleep in the boat. Like you talking about peace in the midst of the storm. That's what we've been offered in Christ. And that's what we can tap into. Mm. Yeah. So many, so many pastors and church leaders need to hear that right now. You know, the other day I was talking to a pastor and he said to me, uh, he was hoping that as soon as uh, the pandemic was lifting, that the stress would begin to dissipate, mm -hmm. but he's not felt that. Nope. And for two reasons, number one, because the uncertainty of the church is still there. Yep. Uh, and then number two, the uh, just the fear factor of returning back to, you know, what does it look like to return to some kind of normal? Because he actually doesn't want to take his church to that normal um, yeah. uh, anymore. And so, uh, so many just feel the demands, like it's so in their face. And, you know, my concern, Vance, is like, I, I don't want uh, our friends in ministry to have the physical breakdown that, you know, you described. What are the practical ways for them to step outside um, of the stress, even though they can't completely remove themselves from the situation right now? Yeah, I think it's important to us for us to remember, first of all, there is no fine print to the promises of God. There's no exception clause. 
So there's not a do not be anxious about anything except during COVID. Do not be anxious about anything oh, except when you have to close your church for a year and a half. No, there's no exception clause. And if we don't enjoy the peace of God in the midst of the storm, we won't enjoy the peace of God when the storm is not there because God's peace is not conditional. It's not rooted in our circumstances. Our circumstances should not shape the way we view our God. Our God should shape the way we view our circumstances. And when we do understand that, we can, we can walk with Jesus when he said, not my will, but yours be done. He, he totally entrusted it to the Father and was able to live in peace. So for us to begin to practice that in an everyday life, obviously we have to prioritize our daily time with Jesus. That, that's a given. Um, we, we have to practice constant conversation with Jesus, live in that awareness of his presence and an awareness of his awareness of you. And then we need to pursue community with others who are following Jesus. I do think it's a big deal that a lot of spiritual leaders live in isolation. We've created this fallacy that we can't let people get close to us. And that is just so anti the life that Jesus lived in the Gospels. You're talking about condescension between Jesus and the disciples, and yet he invited them in. If Christ can invite them into that level of intimacy and oneness and, and transparency, you and I can allow people into our lives. Not only we can, we must. We need that kind of community in our lives if we're going to navigate this stuff. You know, for a few years, I worked in a pretty unhealthy place. And every time my phone rang, it was like, oh, no, what now? And uh, some, I, I recently had a conversation with a pastor who said, that's kind of what I feel right now. Like, I look down and I see someone from my church calling, and it's like, oh, no, what now? And I remember that was a, that was a hard few years when I, when I was in that place. Um, it was years ago, but it, it was hard. And yet a lot of pastors are walking through that right now. So help me. I really like that you listed a few, a few things right there, but take me a little a little more. I'm a pastor and a church leader. I'm just, what next? What shoe's going to drop next? Um, you know, as, as COVID subsides, we're walking in, we're still in the midst of a cultural convulsion. How do I walk through life without being ready to be respond to what could be that next difficult call? Well, I, I think, first of all, we need to expect it. Um, yeah. Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, in the last days, difficult times, and here's the key word, will come. And I know some people hear that and they, oh, are you saying we're living in the last days? Listen, I don't know. Here's what I do know. We're closer to the return of Christ today than we were yesterday. Mm -hmm. And tomorrow we'll be closer than we were today. Every day we live, we are closer to the return of Christ than we've ever been. And because of that, the assumption needs to be difficult days. The word difficult is a word that means uh, challenging and hard to bear. It, it, it describes everything that you and I would call a stressor today. So uh, even though most of us would say we don't believe in a prosperity gospel, uh, we've adopted a lot of that mentality into our lives. We appear shocked often when challenging, difficult circumstances come as though something unusual or strange is happening in our lives. When the Bible tells us just the opposite, difficult times will come, challenging circumstances will come. And it gets back to this thing of, of what we, we've already talked about. It's practicing the presence of God. And let me say it this way, Ed, because this is the life lesson that really um, changed my life. 
the primary, if you'd asked me up until probably my first 10 years in ministry, what's your, what's the primary call on your life? I would have said the primary call on my life is ministry. And it wasn't until I began to go through some difficult circumstances that I realized the primary call on my life is not ministry. The primary call on my life is intimacy. And ministry is what Jesus does out of the overflow of intimacy. And unfortunately, for a lot of ministry leaders who are listening right now, ministry is the great love affair that woos us away from intimacy with Christ. Ministry, doing stuff for Jesus instead of being with Jesus becomes the dominating factor in our life. And when we get there, the peace that we're talking about is only experienced out of the overflow of Christ in us. You, Ed, you mentioned a moment ago, spirit-filled life. Well, what is the fruit of the spirit? Love, joy. What's the third one? Peace. Peace. When we're walking full of the Holy Spirit of God, we enjoy the peace of God. But you can't walk full of the Holy Spirit of God apart from an abiding, intimate fellowship with Jesus. So goes my intimacy with Christ. So goes my ability to enjoy the peace of God in every circumstance. And as ministry leaders, we've convinced ourselves somehow we can live above. Every ministry leader I know would say, you need to spend time with God. You need to be in community. And yet we get so busy in ministry. We get so busy doing for Jesus that we remove the being with Jesus and experiencing the revival of just being with Christ. Um, and that's where we have to get back to. Vance, um, you know, so much of your ministry right now is ministering to other pastors, um, church planters, those who lead in church planting. And um, you know, just as we're wrapping up here, uh, I'd love to take a moment where you could speak pastorally to these groups, uh, because so many of them, they just really don't know what to do. Like, what is their next step? And I'm, I'm almost not as concerned about those who are taking on too much, but I'm really concerned about those who they're that they're a day or two away from that nervous breakdown. Yeah. And they literally don't know yeah. who to turn to. And yeah. if they, if we don't intercept them in two days, they're going to have that nervous breakdown and love to just uh, have you wrap up our time and just speak to that group right now. Absolutely. I, I would say, first of all, um, God's call on your life to serve others is not a call to be a super Christian. I think sometimes we read about these characters in the Bible like they're wearing capes. Uh, they're the superheroes of the Bible. And so we've adopted this mentality that we have to be these superheroes. And I've found in pastoring now for 31 years, the greatest thing you can do in leading your people is just be transparent. Let them see the authenticity of your own shortcomings, your own struggles, your own. When I told this story to our church, so many people in our church were encouraged because they just thought we didn't ever struggle with this kind of stuff. Um, but, but I think it starts by recognizing, hey, you don't have to be everything to everybody. You, it's okay for you to hurt. It's okay for you to be tapped out. It's okay for you to need help. And then secondly, you need to talk to somebody. It's okay to have a conversation. When I, when, when, when I ultimately shared this with a couple of guys around me, I invited them into my life, man. And they helped put some boundaries and parameters in my life um, that began to help me set up for another 10, 20 year run of ministry. And honestly, there was a moment in 2013, I didn't even know if I'd ever do this again. Like I mm -hmm. thought I was done. And now we're here a decade on the other side of that. And God's favor, God's grace, and I've accepted a new responsibility and a new challenge that would have never been there had I not 
been honest with the Lord about where I was and then been honest with some other people to invite them in. And here's the deal. You have to listen to what they say. In moments like this, you need to know three things. Number one, uh, your perspective is always limited. Number two, your input is never enough. And number three, your flesh is always deceitful. And for those three reasons, you need to listen to some other people around you and the boundaries that they want to put into place to get you back to a position of help. And don't short circuit the process. For me, it took nine months. For nine months, they pulled me out of everything except allowing me to preach twice a month. I didn't lead a meeting. I didn't go to any um, committees. I didn't uh, do any counseling. I didn't get on an airplane. For nine months, they basically forced me into a hard reset on my life. But it was, and I'm not saying everybody has to do that, but I'm saying what you do need to do is listen to those that you've entrusted with some responsibility and be willing to submit to their leadership. Uh, Being a good leader sometimes means you need to be a good follower. And in moments like this, you need to be willing to follow the input and advice of others. Amen. You've been listening to Vance Pittman. You can learn more about his ministry at vancepittman.com. Be sure to check out his new book, The Stressless Life, Experiencing the Unshakable Presence of God's Indescribable Peace. Thanks again for listening to the Stetzer Church Leaders podcast. You can find more interviews as well as other great content for ministry leaders at churchleaders.com. And again, if you found our conversation today helpful, we'd love for you to take a few moments, leave us a review that'll help other ministry leaders find us and benefit from our content. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. You've been listening to the Stetzer Church Leaders podcast. For more great interviews, as well as articles, videos, and free resources, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.